Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Wells Fargo Championship. And it's a two-man team today. Just, just partners, little Zurich Classic action, joining me to break it all down, Sia Najat. Hey, Sia. It's so funny you bring up the Zurich Classic because, Rick, I, I don't know if you've already looked at the pricing for DFS. I mean, we're about to look at it, but I don't know if you've tried to like build a team or anything. The pricing actually feels like Zurich Classic pricing. It is really hard to get a couple really expensive guys on your team. So I'm, I'm really curious to see where your opinions are on some of these lower guys because you're going to have to play some of them. But yes, happy to be here. I just felt like I had to get that out there because you mentioned Zurich. And that's the first thing I thought of when I when I saw this pricing. I love it. Uh, Greg, I I don't know where Greg is. I found out two minutes before we went live that Greg is not here. I guess uh, unavailable, but see, you and I are going to rock this, and I'm sure Greg will get, grace us with his presence at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll see him later this week, Rick. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to remind you guys that – you should be following us on YouTube. Um, there is no lag time in in getting access to round by round stuff or whatever we do. There is zero lag time. You can see Sia's new background, which has a let's see, Baylor Bears signed Robert Griffin the third matt green helmet did i describe yes, that accurately it, it sure does it's got a, a couple magic johnson photos a tiger woods and then there's santana moss flashing the 21 for the late great sean taylor you are missing out on that if you are just listening but i i understand if you want to follow on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever else you get the audio version that's fair but you can see us in the flesh on youtube as well and i also have to remind you that cbs sports hq just absolutely rocking it out each and every week it's your home to start your sports news day with live updates kicking off each morning at 8 a.m eastern that's 5 a.m my time and hq is always always your home home ahead of the evening's action with live picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world each day at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You may be thinking it's a quiet time in sports with the NFL draft over, but you would be wrong. It is a Champions League week on HQ. In fact, it's the second leg of the semis, and that means we'll have wall-to-wall coverage Tuesday and Wednesday, including latest news, analysis, picks, lots of picks, in fact, around both match days. So check out HQ on your computer on cbssports.com or via the CBS Sports app on your mobile phone or television. And the best part, Sia, it's free. It's all it's free and it's always on. Free is good. I like free. Free is good. Let's jump into this week, the Wells Fargo Championship. It is going to be played at Quail Hollow, which is a staple on the PGA Tour. Sia, this event you and I uh, gave a little bit of a first look at on Sunday. But to remind listeners, to remind viewers, uh, the event has been held at 
Quail Hollow every single year but one. That was in 2017 when the PGA Championship was using Quail Hollow, and this went to Eagle Point. So don't get confused, right, on, oh, uh, so-and-so played here in 2017 or whatever. Like well, Different course. Right. Yeah. And, and and this course is going to demand uh, really a lot of length. We talked about it on the setup show yesterday. I mean, the par threes are long. The par fours are long. The par fives are long. So driving distance is definitely back in play where it really hasn't been a super significant factor over the last you know four to six weeks. For the most part, it hasn't been a super significant factor. <laughs> This is kind of a big boy course. Uh, it can be stretched out to 7,600 yards, par 71. We're still on Bermuda. Are we considering, is distance a prerequisite for success, or is it just handy? It's handy. Uh, to me, it's never a prerequisite for success because I'll tell you, a lot of the tournaments where we speak to distance, we we find, you know, after day one, day two, day three in, in, in the sort of the DFS market, oh, darn, I should have considered this guy. He's a relatively short hitter, but he doesn't have that sort of that that you know, 320 yard, 315, 310 yard drive. So I didn't really consider him. So I'm considering some of the shorter hitters as well, especially in that elite range. But no, it it is definitely handy. Like, don't get me wrong. Let's put it this way. I'm not really a Bryson guy. Like, I'm not usually clicking him in DFS. I'm certainly not usually betting him in the outright market or in head to heads. But if there was a tournament for a guy like Bryson, uh, I mean, there's a lot of them. But for me, it would be this tournament. (laughs) There are a lot of them. I'm going to share my screen here. This is my website. This is rickrungood.com. This is the key stats tool that breaks down the course. It shells tells you what has been closely correlated to success. This is my one of my favorite parts of the site. See and strokes gained off the tee uh, was the most important stat in the model this week. And the way that this reads is that there are only four other courses where strokes gained off the tee is more important. There's only 13 other courses where driving distance has been more important. Important. So when you look down and you slice this really any way you want, that big beefy Bryson is going to come out on top. Last 50 rounds for all the players in the field. See, it's Bryson who's gaining 1.2 off the tee. Next closest guy. This actually surprised me. Corey Connors. Uh, he's a half a stroke around behind Bryson, but I was surprised to see his off the tee number this high. Yeah, and there's a few guys that are surprising here because I think we consider Corey Connors and like let's if you if you scroll down there, Emiliano Grillo is another guy. We brought him up yeah. on on the setup show uh, yesterday. You know, these are guys that you don't really perceive as longer hitters, but I mean, it's very clear that they are. Fifty rounds, thirty six rounds. You could probably go even deeper if you wanted to 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 a higher metric than fifty. But the point is. These guys, I mean, look, Brandon Steele is is high on that list. So I think you really do need to, I mean, this is such a great tool. I mean, if, if you if you go to this particular tool that, again, we're showing on the screen, so I encourage you guys, you know, to actually get on YouTube and see this if you're listening on the, on the podcast as well, because not only can you sort of, you know, segregate by, you know, off the tee and, and, and driving distance and things of that nature, it is going to sort of remind you or maybe inform you for the first time that some of these guys that you thought weren't necessarily tailor-made for a longer course are actually quite tailor-made for a longer course. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. The other one that that stood out to me is um, when you when you start to look at driving distance as well. Guys that I would have not considered. And we've talked about Stuart Sink at times, and he's a top thirty player in terms of driving distance on the PGA Tour. But the one that always gets me, Sia, is is Joaquin Neiman. And mm-hmm. I think we're going to talk a lot about him. He's only ninety one hundred dollars on DraftKings. I mean, he weighs uh, one hundred and fifty pounds, soaking wet, right? Like he's kind of a small guy, but he gets the most out of his frame. I think that looking at it this way, being able to pull the metrics, looking at the last number of rounds, comparing it against the rest of the field, guys like Joaquin Neiman jump out at me because I would not have considered how far he hits the ball. Yeah, he's a heavy hitter. Uh, he's a great hitter. His ball striking is great. It, it's it's interesting because you know his finishes aren't necessarily reflecting how good of a hitter he is. And, and frankly, his history at this course is, isn't really showing much. I mean, that there's only two times he's been here. It's a missed cut, and I believe it's a 36th or a 35th place finish. I'm actually kind of hoping that keeps some people off of Joaquin Neiman. And, and here's the thing. I think... His name is going to be popular because he is going to pop up on things like like this, the driving distance, the off the tee numbers, the ball striking. The good news, though, if you and we'll get to this once we actually go to the Rangers, the good news for Joaquin Neiman is he is next to a lot of popular guys that are popular for good reason. So it's going to be really interesting to see how ownership shakes out. I don't think because of the history that Neiman has here, which isn't great, it's not terrible either, but it's not great. I think he's actually maybe going to be an odd man out relative to some of those other guys in his range. Interesting. Well, I'm uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that discussion. But before we do that, let's jump into the ten thousand dollar range on DraftKings. Six golfers above ten k: Justin Thomas eleven three, Bryson DeChambeau eleven thousand flat, John Rahm ten eight, Xander at ten five, Webb Simpson is ten two. He lives like on the course, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, and Rory McIlroy, a flat $10,000. So there is a lot to digest here. Sia, let's start with the top. It's Justin Thomas. I think that most people, maybe I shouldn't say this. I don't know if most people realize what he did last week, which was be absolutely phenomenal from T to green and lay an absolute egg with the putter. Does that concern you about Justin Thomas when you're looking to spend the full $11,300. It doesn't really concern me, actually. You, you know, it's funny. You bring this stat up, and I'm looking at his previous tournaments. And, and I, I got to be honest. I thought his putting was was pretty bad for the last couple months. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say as bad as it was last week, but I didn't realize it was as good as it's showing here. So knowing that it, it's really – it looks like, you know, once every, you know, five or six tournaments, he really just, you know, just can't putt for some reason. I, I mean, I you know, with guys like Colin Morikawa or like a Keegan Bradley or even like a Grio, for example, I'm not expecting bounce backs. I'm hoping for them when I pick them, but I'm not expecting them. I think in the case of Justin Thomas, I am expecting a bounce back with the putter. And you look at everything else. Oh, my gosh. Off the tee approach. <laughs> I mean, this is like it's it's actually kind of unbelievable that this guy, you know, I mean, uh, even with the bad putting, I would have think he would have finished higher than 13th. But, yeah, when you lose almost seven strokes putting, it's it's not going to go super well. There's a lot of green on the screen right now. Green is good. Green is when you're gaining a bunch of strokes in a bunch of different categories, which is what Justin Thomas does right now. I tend to agree with you. I am not at all concerned about what he did last week. In fact, I'm a bit, um, I'm a bit encouraged by it. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is not uncommon for him. You mentioned okay, so he loses six and a half strokes putting last week at the Valspar. The other most recent times he's lost more than five in a single tournament. Well, he did it at the Genesis, and he gained, or he was a, a small positive 
positive right back to zero uh, in his next start the next week. And then there was another time down, it's way down here, uh, loses 7.8 at the Travelers Championship. The next measured event we get, boom, he's right back to a zero. This usually does not keep Justin Thomas down for very long. And when he is hitting it as well as he is, he is absolutely a contender to win a golf tournament, which um, I don't know if you've heard, Sia, he does quite frequently. He wins a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. And by the way, elite golfers, you know, they, they lose it with the putter all the time. We, we were just talking about DJ last week. He had lost almost 10 or maybe over 10 strokes at the WGC Workday. And it was just kind of one of those eye-popping moments where, where you see that stat. And it's just one of those things. You know, sometimes people have bad days, but as you can see, or bad tournaments, as you can see, Justin Thomas was perfect everywhere else. And, and if, if like, wh- what did we say about Colin Morikawa right before he won the tournament? We said, it's not that he has to bounce back with the, with the putter and gain strokes. Mm-mm. It's that he just gain no strokes. Just don't, just don't lose, you know, two strokes or three strokes. And the way your ball striking is going, you are actually going to win the tournament. This is the, and you, you bring up the formula word a lot, Rick, this is the exact same formula. You've got an elite ball striker who just happens to be bad with the putter every so often become a zero putter win a tournament exactly right moving down a little bit further Bryson DeChambeau we kind of already talked about how Quail Hollow should be a perfect fit for Bryson DeChambeau all types of models all types of eye tests say you got to be long you got to be gaining strokes off the tee he does a lot of other things very well Sia now I think that uh, for me getting Bryson into a lineup or two or 200 however many you end up playing it's really about what you're looking for you know he is probably the more volatile of the studs, right? We know we see some of his results where like he misses the cut at Genesis, doesn't get out of his group at the match play, finishes 46 at the Masters. But oh, by the way, he won the API and finished third at the players also during that stretch. So I think you just get more of a mixed bag with Bryson. You get more feast or famine. Yeah, and and by the way, you're going to have to, from a DFS standpoint, um, and you know we're looking at DraftKings pricing, obviously, you're going to have to pick one of these guys and go to the next section. And because you, there is no way you're going to fit two of these guys, frankly, and I'm just kind of pointing this out, you, you can't even take one of these guys and then take a high 9K guy without dipping way low into the 7K range. The only reason I bring that up is you're going to have to take a stand somewhere. So it's not about being critical of the, the golfers that you don't want to take. It's really about who, who do you like the best? You're just going to have to take a stand, make a decision. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I do a lot of single entry, a lot of three max. I really don't know how I'm going to d- diversify. John Rahm was the first name I clicked in this range. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> and, and, you know, we'll get to that. And then, you know, Webb Simpson was another name, but I was really debating Bryson and Justin Thomas. So, I, you know, it's just one of those things. One of those guys is going to have to be left out for me. And and we'll, we're just going to we're just going to have to wait and see. I do like Justin Thomas better than Bryson, though. I think I do too. Um, you know, Bryson could be that lower owned winning winning golfer that you get, but I, mm-hmm. I think in a vacuum, I like Justin Thomas. But I, I'll tell you what, how about a five hundred dollars savings down to John Rahm? This is to me, see a, a perception versus reality issue. The perception for John Rahm is that he's been okay. He's been fine. He's been good. No, he's been great. Mm-hmm. He has got eight top 10 finishes in his last 10. We talked about that on the first look video, uh, the first look episode on Sunday. He's been really, really good. But just because he doesn't have another trophy on the mantle, most people kind of like, ah, he's, it, I don't really know what he's been up to. It's just consistent. So I, I think there is a stark contrast between Bryson 
and John Rahm. They both might win this golf tournament, you know, the same percent of the time, call it 8% of the time, but Rahm is seemingly going to finish inside the top 10 way more often than Bryson is going to. Yeah, it definitely feels like a safer option with, you know, the an equal amount of upside, you know, and that doesn't mean it's always going to pan out that way. But again, John Rahm, he just... He, he just puts it together every single tournament. And it's just going to come down to him having that one round where he just you leapfrogs everybody and, you know, actually wins a tournament. Uh, I think he is primed to win a tournament. So he is definitely my favorite play in this range. We have not seen him lose strokes off the tee since the 2019 Tour Championship. That was August of 29. We are approaching two years of every single time John Rahm tees it up. He is gaining off the tee. That is unbelievable. Never has an off week. You mentioned Webb Simpson. That is a name that I leave my, I'm, I'm scratching my head on. I'm not really sure what to do on paper. The uh, longer courses might not be a great fit for him, but of course we know he's got ties to not only the area, but to literally the course. He's right there. What, what, what is moving you in the direction of Webb Simpson this week? Yeah. I mean, I like his history here. You know, there's a, a couple missed cuts. I don't know that I should even count that one in 2017, but he's, you know, in 18th, the 21st, he finished super high. I believe it was in 2015. Uh, and again, he has ties to the course And in uh, this goes back to, you don't absolutely need to be long to be successful on this course. We have plenty of past winners that haven't been super long. So I, I sort of trust his iron game. And by the way, lately, the last few tournaments, he's been really good with the ball striking, if memory serves. So uh, he's just one of those solid players. He'll probably be, I, I, you know, what's funny, I, I don't know if he'll be lower owned because of his ties to the area, but I think he'll be lower owned than, than a few of these guys in the elite range. So it does make him kind of sneaky. Um but the approach game is there, you know, yeah. off the tee. It's been, I, I got to admit, it's been a little bit shaky, but I do like him. I, I think I'm probably going to click his name second most after Rom. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I personally like Webb Simpson a lot. You don't need to do much to certainly convince me on him. And then the final name in the $10,000 range, and we skipped Xander Shoffley. I know people are, might be upset about that. I'm a, I'm like a five out of 10 on Xander. I think mm -hmm. he's fine. I think he's fairly priced. It is what it is. The, the big question mark for me is going to be around Roy McElroy, who we have not seen since the Masters. We know this is a place that he has absolutely, I think I can use the word, dominated at in his career is the only two-time winner. He holds the tournament record, uh, not only for scoring, but also for largest margin of victory. But there are so many question marks about the state of his game right now. Yeah. And so the problem with Roy, if this was a different tournament where you just had in the 10K and above range, or let, let's say the elite range, where you only had maybe two or three guys. If you didn't have Justin Thomas, Bryson, John Rahm, Webb Simpson, Xander, I'd be like, okay, this is the time to take a chance on Roy. You know, but unfortunately you have all these guys that measure out so well that, that appear to be primed to win this tournament. And so it, it becomes, I, I don't want to say, Hey, listen, don't take a chance on Roy. But, but what I do want to say is maybe now's not the time because we have so many good players in this field that are clearly playing better than Roy McIlroy. Yeah, they don't have the history that Roy does on this course, but let's be honest about his history. I mean, it's yeah, eighth in 2019 is pretty good, but that was also two years ago. And then the really good history in 2016 and 2015, I mean, that was a long time ago, if you know, if we're being honest about it. So I'm not super impressed with the recent history from, from a course standpoint. And then the recent history as a whole, obviously hasn't been great. So I'm going to go ahead and lean on more expensive guys in this range like the ones we talked about. I would rather 
probably just bet Rory's outright number. Uh, mm-hmm. you probably get him 18, 19, 20 to one. I'd have to go over and check what William Hill has him at. But to me, I, I want to be early on Rory um, in, in that market where if he wins and he wins the Wells Fargo this week, uh, you'll never see a 20 to one number on Rory for a long time. He's going to go back to 10, 11, 12 to one. But the the DFS, the DraftKings price, it, it, there's not as much incentive. You know, that's only a $1,300 discount from the top. He's going to have, like, like I think the range of outcomes for Rory is so large that he could win this golf tournament or he could miss the cut and look terrible again. I, I don't think I want to take on that much risk in my lineups, but I'm happy to just focus on the one position at the top and outright and take him there. Yeah, and by the way, in the DFS market, if you want to get cute with it, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Xander and Roy are going to be the lowest owned uh, in this particular range. So you can absolutely pick up some leverage on some people who are, you know, trying to jam in your Bryson's, your John Roms, and your JT. So I don't mind the play if that's why you're doing it. But if you're in a single entry, it, to me, it just seems if you're going to take a guy in this range, it seems like you know guys like Justin Thomas and John Rom are probably the safest plays with the highest floors and and upside. Let's scoot on down to the 9K range. It's fairly small. Victor Hovland at 9,800. Patrick Cantlay, 9,600. Tony Finau, Will Zalatoris, Patrick Reed, Corey Connors, Joaquin Neiman, and our technically defending champion. He won it back in 2019, the last time this event was played. It's Max Homa. He's a flat $9,000. So, Sia, I find this to be a very intriguing set of golfers. Where would you head in this range? Yeah, so it's. let me start by saying this. Because the pricing it, it makes it so difficult my my eyes immediately once i clicked a guy that was 10k or above immediately went to the low 9k range and and i think that's where you're getting the most value i will say that it's hard for my eyes to scan and not click victor hovland okay so (laughs) let me just get that out of the way i love victor hovland great ball striker you know he was a little shaky the last month or so and i say shaky in in hovland terms not in like you know normal golfer terms but he's clearly rebounded love victor hovland but the two guys that really jump out at me We've mentioned both of them, and they're, they're both reasonably priced. Corey Connors and Joaquin Neiman, great ball strikers. They're both really good off the tee. I, again, that's probably surprising to some people um, as with respect to Corey Connors in particular. But the ball striking is there, and, and I just think these are guys that can be contending on Sunday. And I don't want to say you're getting a discount, but you're, you're certainly getting – because they're in the low 9K range, you're certainly getting a guy who has the upside to potentially contend in the tournament – but also can fit in your player pool without you having to like suddenly dip down to the 7,100 or the 6,900 range. What I'm showing on rickrungood.com right now is, let me make sure I have this right. The start of 2021, so the calendar year, every single golfer in this field sorted by strokes gain total. So call it what you want. Call it the best players of 2021. Here's the list. Corey Connors, number one. I think that would surprise most people. Then it goes John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, Victor Hovland. Uh, So three out of the top four are in that $9,000 range. Cameron Tringale and Brian Harmon, who we have not gotten to yet, Justin Thomas, and then Joaquin Neiman, the other name that you mentioned in that low 9K range. I mean, it, I, I'm trying to find ways, Sia, to illustrate how good these guys have been. Speaking of Connor, speaking of, of Neiman, speaking of Hovland, any of these names that we're saying for a long time, this is no fluke. This is no outlier. I mean, this is a real thing now when these guys are getting closer to 40, 50, 60 rounds of golf. 
Yeah, the the argument against Neiman, though, if, if you were if you were to make one, other than the fact that there's so many guys right near him in the high 8K, low 9K range that that you may fit your lineup just as good, if not better. The argument against him is, you know, his finishes haven't been great. Yes, he had an eighth at the Valspar last week. That that is pretty great, but 40th at the Masters, 18th in the match play, 25th the Honda, 29th at the players. Like for such an elite ball striker, you would think the finishes would be a touch higher. So I don't question the upside because I think the upside is there, but it is curious that the finishes aren't great. And then you can slide over to the course history. Again, it's it's just two times he's he's had it here. 2018, he missed the cut. 38th in 2019, which isn't anything terrible, especially two years ago, as young as Joaquin Neiman is. But those would be sort of the arguments against him. But again, I like it. Yeah, the it is kind of interesting because it seems like one aspect of his game each week he, he he can't figure out. The other three are fine, right? So he loses strokes off the tee at the Valspar. He finishes eighth. He loses strokes on approach at the Masters. He finishes 40th. He loses a bunch around the green at Honda, still finishes 25th. He loses uh, some in putting at the workday and at the gen, at the Genesis. Like there's just one thing each week, which I I always don't, I never know if I should be like, well, you know, it's it's a different thing each week. That seems like whack-a-mole. That seems like it's concerning, but it's also like, well, it's not like he's deficient in any one area. It's just that he has to put all four together. Yeah, it's encouraging to me. Uh, it, okay. it means that he, to me, it means he's exactly he's not deficient in any one particular place. It's just I don't know if that's a, a concentration problem or just you know I, I don't know what it would be tournament to tournament. But clearly, he can put all those facets of his game together. He just hasn't lately. Will Zalatoris and Patrick Cantlay, uh, they are two loves of my life. Not really Patrick Cantlay, but I, I refuse <laughs> to believe. I refuse to believe. I'm going to go down with this Cantlay ship no matter what. I mean, he played, uh, I, I guess, better. We don't have the metrics for it because it was dessert classic, but he plays better with or played better with um, Xander Shoffley in that event. They finished 11th. They flew up the leaderboard on Sunday as well, which was alternate shot. That's always encouraging. And then, and then Will Zalatoris, who I just him at all about i mean he just every single week seems to uh find himself playing well it doesn't matter the course it doesn't matter the place uh, do you have any hot takes on this ninety four hundred dollars zalatoris or can't lay at 96 yeah i mean i i love zalatoris as well uh, i would say this from a hot take standpoint okay so he's 9400 i don't know if that's a good or a bad price i haven't really come to a conclusion on that one he did go to wake forest though so even though he doesn't have right. experience on this course i would i mean i would conjecture and we could probably find this out that, that he's probably played this course you know quite a few times it's just a guess so i do like the fact that it is kind of like a, a hometown game for him uh with that said it's hard to get him in your lineup it, i mean I don't I don't know what to do only because I like Corey Connors and I don't know that I like Neiman better actually. I just like Neiman's price better. Well, that's kind of the thing. If if you like your whoever it is, your third favorite golfer in the nine thousand dollar range, or even maybe like your second favorite golfer, probably isn't making a lot of your lineups with the way that the pricing is. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's kind of hard. Let me give you an example. So I've built a few lineups, as you know. Um yep. I, I picked with my first lineup, I selected John Rom. Okay. And then I selected Corey Connors. Okay. That le- and, and by the way, I thought I was being like, you know, economical, if you will, by just dipping all the way down to the 9K range. That left me with 7,500 for the next four golfers. Now, yeah. when we get to that range, you're going to realize why that, that's not great. And that's why I almost compared it to the Zerk because you, I, I promise you, no matter, you're not going to be satisfied with your lineup this week. And that's okay mm-hmm. because everybody's in the same boat. But it's just one of those things where it's really hard to get an elite player 
and one 9K guy, let alone two 9K guys. So you can't get an elite guy and like a really good guy. You can get like maybe two good guys and then try to figure it out after that, something like that. Yeah, I want to say that people, because of that, people are going to start in the 9K range, which which they do sometimes, but I actually don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to try to do that and then they're going to realize, oh shoot, I'm passing up on John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Bryson, <gasps> Xander, whoever it is. And they're going to be like, no, or, I got to include one of those guys. Or I have two guys in the 9K range and I still have to dip all the way down. I might as well go get John Rahm or Justin exactly. Thomas if I'm going to have to do that anyway. Exactly. Uh, okay, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go down and start finding some value. So we're going to get to the the 8Ks, then the 7s, then the 6s. That's how this works every single week. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast and we're back eight thousand dollar range uh, again it seems like these these ranges are much smaller than normal i might be imagining that but abraham answer leads it off at 8900 sung jm brian Harmon, all the way down to emiliano grillo Harris English, Tommy Fleetwood. So Sia, uh, I see a Cameron Tringale in here. I don't know if that, if you're going to go back to that well. I see Keegan Bradley here. I don't know if you're going to go back to that well. Where are you headed to in the $8,000? So I like answer. I think it's problematic getting him in my lineup. So as I scan down, I'll tell you with Keegan and Cameron Tringale, you know, I, I do think I do think it's probably time for just a touch of regression. They've been so good. And I think, I think they're fine if you want to take them, but, but for me, I'm just, you know, I just feel like we're, we're, 
I'm waiting for the letdown for Keegan mm. and Cameron Trigali because I don't consider them elite and they, they've been playing at an elite level. And yeah, I think it's going to catch up to them at some point, maybe not this tournament, but I think it's going to catch up to them sooner rather than later. But as I scroll down, you know, this is a guy we talked about, another economical guy considering this range, Emiliano Grillo. I mean, yeah. listen, he's good off the tee and he's been striking the ball well. The cool thing about Grio, if you want to call it that, is he missed the cut last week. So I don't know how you kind of internalize that. He gets the extra two days to focus, to rest or whatever, but but <laughs> certainly keeps his ownership down at least just a touch. With that said, I think people are going to look at that price tag and they're going to try to jam him in their lineups because in, in this in this price pool, 8100 is actually a pretty good price for an elite ball striker. Mm-hmm. Certainly, as you compare it to like a Keegan Bradley, for example, who's $400 more, which doesn't sound like a lot, but this week it actually is kind of a lot. He's ninth on tour and Sherp's gained off the team. Emiliano Grillo is. The, the, so I, I'm glad you brought him up. I'm going to actually pair him with uh, Keegan Bradley for this conversation because I think we have there. This is a perception reality thing again. Key or uh, Grillo, who was fairly popular last week, goes out and shoots an opening round 66 and then shoots a 76 to miss the cut. And all of his backers are going to say, "Oh my god, I cannot. I'm never rostering this guy again." Right? That that happens. That's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I feel like this is a great opportunity to buy low. Keegan, similar, right? What most people saw when they tuned in on Sunday was a Keegan failure. Him uh, hitting his ball into the water on the par three. Him missing two really short putts down the stretch. I do not see last week as a failure at all. I see it as a positive. I mean, uh, there might be a mental side of it, but the, you talk about the blueprint. You talk about laying the foundation. Exactly what Keegan did last week is how he is going to contend routinely on the PGA Tour. Be awesome from tee to green. Be a small positive or just a small negative putter. And we're starting to see him do that more often. Now, four of his last five, he's gained strokes putting. So I, I too see a... I'm worried that this this all comes crashing down and he reverts back to uh, the Keegan Bradley that we've known for so many years. But I also try to reconcile that with what the public perception of him is going to be. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you have to contextualize Sunday against the fact that he finished second in a, in a 155 person field. Okay, yes. so <laughs> I, I totally get that. And, and and by the way, I'm not holding Sunday against him. I, first of all, I had a first round leader bet on Keegan Bradley, which of course cashed, but I didn't have him outright because oh, that's listen, right. I don't. That. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I just I don't. I said exactly that exact thing because I don't trust him on Sunday. But that's okay. I, you know, not trusting him on Sunday and, and having him finish top five is is totally fine. Obviously, I just wonder. I mean, he's at such an unbelievable clip that I mean, second, fourth, you know, twenty third before that. I, I just wonder. You know, even with the elite golf golfers, we see regression when when they're hitting. You know, when they're doing super well. So I, I'm just trying to be, you know, kind of early on the on the fall. But I hear you on the ball striking. I'm um I'm kind of like a Sam Hinkie disciple, um, which I don't know if people I guess they could figure that out. Sam Hinkie's a big data guy, but uh, he he had this thing where he didn't want to watch basketball games. He didn't want to watch film in order. He wanted to just like have it clipped up and have like random plays because that way you weren't like, oh, if he makes three good plays in a row, you're like, oh wow, like I'm I'm feeling good about this, or you wouldn't you wouldn't care what he did in the first quarter versus the fourth quarter, things like that. And and I kind of feel that way about golf. Right. If Keegan Bradley, he could have ended up at the same score. Uh, if he hits it into the water on the par three on Thursday and misses two shorties on Thursday, we never even see it. And then he comes charging up the leaderboard on Sunday and he finishes second. We would all be dying to get him in our rosters this week. So not that it not that that means Keegan's going to have a good week, but that's kind of how I like to think about it. 
No, it makes sense. I mean, I, listen, I, I've been on we've all, we've all been on Team Keegan to an extent over the last month or so, and it's paid off. He's he's been an excellent ball striker, one of the best on tour. The thing I think we need to figure out is what to do with Brian Harmon. He is, uh, listen, by all accounts, he, he's in the midst of a great stretch of golf right now. Third at the players, fifth at the match play. That's what he would just buzzsawed Bubba. Twelfth uh, at the Masters, thirteenth at the RBC Heritage. I mean, he's been he's been phenomenal. But I think, Sia, people are going to give him the extra boost for being the 2017 champion, which I don't know what percentage of people are not going to realize that that was at Eagle Point and not at Quail Hollow. Right. And so, you know, you throw, you throw that one out and then you look at the rest of the history and it's it's actually not terrible, but it's certainly not great. And and then, of course, you know, he's not necessarily the best course set up here. But, but for the record, I mean, if he was instead of 8,700, if he was... I don't know where Tommy Fleetwood or Harris English were, or even Emiliano yeah. Grillo. I'd probably consider him. I think eighty-seven hundred is is a little is a little high. So as good as he's been playing, and he has been great, and shorter hitters can succeed here. But come, listen, in that range, there's so many other guys I like. Between like eighty-seven hundred and ninety-one hundred, ninety-two hundred, there's so many other guys I like. It's just I, I can't. I'm not going to be able to land on Brian Harmon. Yeah, and you start to think about like, okay, RBC Heritage, you do not have to be long. The Masters, you do not have to be long. The match plays a completely different beast. You get hot like you did against Bubba. That's one thing. Um, the players, that's a really impressive finish there. And then you go and you look at he's, let's see, 141st in driving distance. Not that that is the only thing that matters. I just wonder if that that four-event stretch was a really good stretch of courses for him or at least a lot better than what I think we're going to get this week at Quell Hollow. I mean, when we opened today's show and yesterday's show, we the message was the last four or six weeks, it hasn't really been about driving distance necessarily. We opened the show saying, this is different. And yeah. so knowing that and picking Brian Harmon, I think you're really taking a risk because he's really going to be, he's going to have to be perfect everywhere else because he's not going to be perfect off the tee. Anybody else in the 8K range before I move us down to the sevens? The only guy that I'm kind of interested in because the recent form is there, uh, and I'm not n- normally on this guy, but it's Bubba Watson. Yeah, you had the tab right on. <laughs> I knew already. it. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> um, you know, no no recent history at this course to speak of, but let's be honest about his game. I mean, it's been really good. These finishes, 13th, 8th, 26th, 9th, they've been really impressive. And there, there hasn't been that kind of blow-up round. I think maybe a year or two ago, I was sort of expecting the blow-up round from Bubba. And I'm sure it's happened this calendar year, but it hasn't happened very often. So I think Bubba at that price is a really kind of a, a smart, not a sneaky play because people understand that he's been doing well, but he's he hasn't been a very popular guy. And, and I think that might start changing soon, especially with a successful trip this week. I find his stat profile to be quite impressive. He is still 14th. Uh, this is one of his worst off the tee seasons of his career. And he's still 14th on tour. Like that should tell you how elite he is at that skill set. He's his approach game has improved dramatically. It's the best season he's ever had, or at least had in the last six years around the green best he's had in six years. The putter always a question mark, but I, this is, this is a really impressive stretch of golf that Bubba's putting together. So that's why when you said there was one more guy, I, I, thought it had to be Bubba because that's mm-hmm. the one that makes the most sense. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I I think he's a very smart play this week. The $7,000 range, Russell Henley, Stuart Sink, 
that's maybe I should say two-time winner this year, Stuart Sink. 7,900 goes all the way down. This is the huge range. This is like, it's massive. The seven the $7,000 mark alone, flat 7,000 has three, four, five, six guys in it. So goes Pat Perez, Pat and Kazire, Tom Hoagie, uh, Keith Mitchell, who did something historic last week, but probably doesn't want his name attached to it. That was uh, nearly nine strokes lost in one round putting. Uh Let's talk through this 7K range because there's a lot to unwrap here, Sia. Yeah, I think the high higher end of the 7K range has some really good value in it. But I'll tell you, the, the first name I'm going to click on is Stuart Sink. And, okay. and the funny thing about Stuart Sink is, okay, so, you know, two-time winner. You know, he's, he's just been really good all around. But we perceive him as a guy who's not long off the tee. (laughs) Did you know he's been longer off the tee than John Rahm the last 36 rounds? I mean, he's hitting it, he's hitting it 306 yards. So he's got that, he's, he's got that box checked. Okay. You, we know he can close on Sunday. He's got that box checked. He's been good and, you know, at least good to very good in all the other metrics. So, I mean, listen, it's Stuart sink at the end of the day. You don't think of him as a guy with a lot of upside, but I think it's a pretty fair price for a guy who has been winning and who drills it off the tee like most people don't think he can. Not only is he low-key very long off the tee, top 30 on tour, he leads the tour in greens and regulation, which is not a stat that I love, but it just shows that he is peppering greens, giving himself lots of looks. He is not He's not going to be – like the spotlight's not too big for him, right? Like on Sunday when he's in contention, like I'm not worried about that at all. He's not going anywhere, or at least he's not going to go anywhere because the moment is too big for him. Like I I agree with you. This is a pretty great spot to go back to Sink, who's had a couple of weeks since his victory at the RBC Heritage to kind of regroup, right? We know a lot of guys, they like to celebrate. They like to take some time, whatever, whatever. It's hard to concentrate on golf. It's been a couple of weeks. I think Stu Sink is right back at it this week. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, and I will say this, you know, we just looked at his his stat profile. Um, I was looking at mostly this year. Th- there is the potential blow up round, so it's not sure. like the it's not like the floor is oh make the cut and finish forty fifth. The floor is missing the cut with Stewart Sink. But again, we're we're not necessarily just going for floors, right? We're going for upside, and Stewart Sink clearly has it on this particular course. The other guys I like that that I've, I've at least selected so far: uh, Brandon Steele, uh, Matt Wallace, who's been very good lately, Matt Jones, who we, we talked about a little bit yesterday, yes, and. and I'll, I'll tell you the last one. You know, Matt Jones' price, I think, is pretty reasonable, by the way. And uh, Kyle Stanley, we talked about him last week. I had that 250 to one shot. He's been playing a lot better. He didn't play great on the weekend, but he made the cut. You know, he's Kyle Stanley starting to emerge as a guy. And by the way, his course history here is pretty good as well. So I think Kyle Stanley is an interesting option. Not a safe floor with Kyle Stanley, but in this 7K range, you're going to find that there aren't a lot of safe floors, especially 7,500 and below. Matt Jones, I'm glad you brought him up because he has caught my full attention at $7,400. I think that there is, again, I, this is this is the week of perception versus reality that when a guy who kind of pops up out of nowhere and wins a golf tournament, and then you start looking at their metrics and their stats, and you're like, well, it was probably all that one week. And it, that would be true for probably guys like Robert Streb, probably guys like Martin Laird, but that is not true for Matt Jones. If you look at what he has done in 2021, which is what I'm showing on the screen right now, he has missed one stroke play 
cut. He missed the cut at the Zurich as well, but that was a team event. So one stroke play event, he has failed to make the cut. He has now gained strokes in all four major strokes gained categories. And when you just sort the 2021 calendar year by strokes gained total, he has gained more strokes per round than Max Homa, Patrick Reed, Keegan Bradley, Abraham Answer, Sung J.M., Tony Finau. I mean, this is a legitimate um, high-end solid golfer all four categories for $7,400. Yeah, and and that's the value you're going to need on this course, which might make Matt Jones kind of popular because it, I shouldn't have said on this course. I, I should say with the DraftKings pricing, like you are going to naturally, no matter how you com- compose your lineup, you are going to naturally sort of fall in this range and you're probably going to have to select a couple guys. And I think Matt Jones fits really well there. I find some interest in cam davis i'm not as bullish as i was maybe a couple of months ago but his one weapon is the driver we're starting to see him lean back into that club uh here recently and this is a place that obviously you need to take advantage of and anybody else in this 7k range that might be of note i mean i i think I like Cam Davis a little bit. You know, he's been a little shaky on approach. Um, as I as I look at this, though, I mean, I, I did mention Kyle Stanley and and Wallace, but there was a guy in the seventy three hundred range. I mean, I, I don't know that I'm going to be doing. Oh, it was Matthew Naismith? I think Matthew Naismith is interesting. I mean, he's certainly not a long hitter, but um, that's a guy I might have my eye on if I'm forced to make a play here. Lonto Griffin is another guy that grades out well in my model, but honestly, if you look at his last three or four tournaments, it, it really hasn't looked that great, particularly on approach for him. Let's just make sure we never get uh, Keith Mitchell on the pod. Uh, let me show you what he did last <laughs> week here. So, so this is uh, so Keith. Actually, I don't even have to search by. Keith Mitchell, because his round, his putting round on, uh, I guess it was on Sunday. Was it Sunday or Saturday? I guess I'll find out. Sunday. It was Sunday. Yeah. Lost 8.8 strokes putting. That is the worst single round in my database, which I actually think is funny because Bill Haas um, was the previous worst, but he did that at that was the first event back to Charles Schwab challenge after the restart. I was almost like, ah, that he, you know, he hasn't played professional golf in at least 91 days. I could give Bill Haas a break for that. And, and then Keith Mitchell went out and snapped off and uh, did something crazy. It's interesting. It's <laughs> though, because, you know, he's pretty good off the tee. And, and, and when you look at his off the tee numbers, at least in the last, let's say 36 rounds, they're actually not that bad. He grades out pretty well. So it's it's interesting that dichotomy would be kind of fitting for him to suddenly, you know, be a zero putter and, and finish in the top 20 this week. Uh yeah, you, you know he's going to. Um okay, six thousand <laughs> six thousand dollar. Well, I, I mean, I guess I'd argue he cannot putt worse, right? He cannot putt worse than he did on Sunday. So that's not good. possible. Uh the six thousand dollar range, Camilo Vijegas, Doc Redmond, JT Post and KH Lee, Michael Thompson, Phil Mickelson, all at sixty nine hundred. And our min price guys this week. This is always fun. Sung, you'll know who found my golf ball at TPC <laughs> Summerlin the other day. Michael Kim, Martin Trainer, KJ Choi. Oh boy. This is this is we're we're definitely in that range, and we were kind of in it in the seven thousands uh Sia where you're like, oh, this is this ain't pretty. They found out that no found your ball in in in, a, in an area where he shouldn't have found <laughs> he it. He should like, not have been there. We're min pricing this guy. <laughs> um, listen, you're you're gonna have to. You're probably gonna have to dip into this range more often than not. A few guys that that I like. Adam Shank has been playing really well, including last week. I like him. I mentioned Luke List every once in a while, and and you know, 
I actually there's a narrative building that he's you know better on short courses. I, I kind of think the opposite. I, I think he's he's long off the tee, and I think this is actually a, a decent course fit. I mean, you you've got his history clicked. That's that's pretty good for a guy in the six K range. You know, he's made yeah. three cuts in a row and, and a ninth in 2018. Um, I think you have some upside there. A few other guys I like. I'll just run them off real quick. Roy Sabatini, certainly not a long hitter, but he's actually got a great course history here. Uh, Brandon Hagee is interesting. He is long off the tee. He's just got it. That approach game is very shaky, so he's got to like nail that down, and he'll he'll be okay. He'll make the cut. And then if you really go down into the depths, um, Hammer and Hank Lebiota and Scott Piercy, I think, are interesting for this course. There, there's a few guys I'm kind of suckers for right now. One is Phil Mickelson. I'd like your thoughts on Phil. Maybe you can talk me off the ledge here. Here, here's what I know. Phil Mickelson missed the cut on the number last week, but because because he missed an eight foot putt on his uh, 36th hole, so that was Friday. And otherwise, he continues to gain strokes on approach. He continues to be a positive uh, off the tee player. He's actually talks that like he's having trouble focusing. Like, well, you're 50 years old. Like that's kind of what happens, and that's the one thing that's kind of holding him back but then you look at his history here see 10 top 10s in 16 trips it's the most of anybody uh i think i think rory is second he has seven top 10 something like that so tell me tell me what i should do with phil i give you the same answer every time you ask me about phil (laughs) and it's basically this i haven't rostered him in probably two years and and i haven't regretted it and and i regret it (laughs) and i I agree with your numbers i mean obviously like he has been really good on approach i'm somewhat surprised he missed the cut last week i mean it looked like he was trending to make that cut and you know you were kind of going to be right on that to to a large degree but i i also you know as good as he's been off the tee he does make me nervous off the tee when it comes to like these longer course where you you got to kind of get it down there a little bit so you know no these stats look really good but i I don't i don't love the upside i just kind of wait for the blow up round and and it usually happens i'll just bet him like top 20 or something and then never have to never have to worry about it again um the only other name that i stumbled on almost by accident where is this guy he's like 6300 vincent whaley mm-hmm. so we are we are we are in the depths right now uh, i think we can all agree on that 6400 he has finished he has made the cut in what is that six in a row i like that his last five all of his finishes every single one has been between 28th and 36th if that is not consistent uh, i do not know what is from vincent whaley all within a handful of positions uh 15th at the puerto rico open i mean this is just a range where you're throwing darts and there are a few guys who have made as many cuts in a row as whaley has and if he's at 6400 and finds a way to get to the weekend he has paid himself off <laughs> i have no problem with that it's interesting with whaley because the stats don't reflect the finishing positions. They but really don't. <laughs> sometimes they don't. I mean, it's just one of those yeah. things. I mean, if you're a grinder and like, it's almost like a poor man's Patrick Reed, like he's just figuring it out. He's figuring out how to make, you know, make cuts and finish in the top 30. And, and at 6,400, I see Akshay Batia's name right under there, by the way. Um, yeah. I don't mind him speaking of a guy who, who might have a blow up round, but certainly some upside there. The reason, uh, well, the reason I'm going to make up of why Whaley's um, stats aren't better is because his good finish. So, so we don't have Puerto Rico open numbers. He finished 15th there. That would have mm-hmm. helped his stats. 28th at Punta Cana. That would have helped his stats. We don't have metrics there. And then he made the cut at Zurich, 29th. Of course, we don't have metrics there. That's the team event. So, in theory, if we had all of his data, I would suspect it looks better. But you're right. There's kind of like 
it's almost like missing information here to figure out how he's how he's getting these results. It's kind of yeah, weird. but that's a really good answer to that question though, because that's three good tournaments where it, all of his metrics would have improved. I mean, if you look at his metrics now versus what we think they probably were in those three tournaments, it's right. probably going to be night and day. So I, I think that's a really good answer. Uh, okay, see so yeah, anybody else in this six K range? Any dart throws? Anything before we sign off? Well, now Will Gordon, he he withdrew last week. Correct? Was that COVID related? Because I actually think he might be a good candidate here at a very low price tag. I believe it was COVID related. I'm about 75% sure on that. And I can find out. Uh, We'll see. WD. Doing the old Twitter search. Yes, he was. It was, it was a positive test ahead of the Valspar. So is he, is he, I mean, would we, do we have to keep an eye on him to make sure he's playing this week? Because he's going to have to pass the protocol, right? I would think so. I mean, but I, I'll tell you this: if he's uh, he he, you said he had a positive test. I wonder when that positive test was, because if it was sure. actually last weekend, that that would kind of be problematic for me. But I mean, the guy he's he's really good off the tee, and his approach game is lacking. But proximity, two hundred yards and above, which is going to be a proximity you'll want to focus at least a little bit on. He's really good. He rates out last thirty six rounds third in the field, um, one seventy five to two hundred. He's in. He's almost in the top 50 so other than you know some other issues with approach at closer ranges presumably and some issues around the green i think will gordon is a guy that uh could be a surprise for you okay i like it we will keep it that's that's one you'll definitely want to keep an eye on because uh you know he can put his name in this field and then he can you know, if he can't pass protocol, obviously be aware of that. We're we're talking about this on Monday afternoon, so be aware. Uh, see ya. Much appreciated. Hey, this was a this was a head to head one on one two man weave. That was pretty fun. This was great. And by the way, if you put that top twenty bet on Phil Mickelson and it doesn't come in, <laughs> you tweet Taylor Gooch and you get your money back. <laughs> Taylor Gooch for now now refunds all bets that I that we make. <laughs> I think so. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. He re- he's on the hook for every single bet that we lose. I like that. I think that's good. All right, that'll do it. This has been your DFS preview for this week's Wells Fargo Championship. Let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. Let me thank Sia Najad, who you can find on Twitter at Sia Najad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. And we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.